For centuries, hunters have been telling stories of the hunt. Unfortunately, some of those stories have been lost or forgotten. We started this podcast in hopes that no hunting story goes untold. I'm Ross Seavey, and this is Switchback Stories. All right, Jim, you got back from Mexico, what, a few weeks ago? Yeah, about 10 days ago, I think I strolled back through the doors, so. And how was the trip? The trip overall was uh, pretty amazing. It's something that I'd never experienced before, and yeah, had an awesome time, learned a ton of stuff, saw some awesome places, and overall, just a pretty fun deal. And I think you told me you wish you could do it every year. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that um, probably will start looking into this pretty hard for a yearly deal for myself since the opportunities were pretty amazing. And yeah, it was fun. So what were you doing down in Mexico? I guess they, they know it's probably a hunting story, but what were you hunting? Well... Every year, sort of back up a little bit, is every year we normally go on a coos deer hunt. So this year I didn't draw any tags in Arizona. So I started exploring other options and came up with Mexico and made it happen this year. So I went down to Sonora and chased coos deer around for, I think, eight days total. So. And so how was the whole process of getting down into Mexico? Because I'm sure that's what people always wanted. That's what I wanted to know. So what is the whole process? Yeah, it's not as simple as I thought it would be initially of just going and hunting because um, our guns aren't allowed there. So it starts pretty early. You need to do some research and kind of have it picked out by, I'd say, like June, July is probably optimal timing to decide that you're going and then once you do that you find your outfitter or if it's a diy deal you're still working through an outfitter because they've arranged leases on ranches down there and then once you've done that you'll start working with them and start working on your gun permits and then normally that's the most cumbersome process part of the process that I've understood is just making sure that you have your gun permits in time and then are in time for you to take them down. Then once you get your gun permits and all that stuff, obviously road trip down, then you go to the border crossing and declare your firearms there on the U S side. They do a bunch of checks on them, check you make sure you're not, trying to smuggle them down there and then you pass through that was pretty seamless it probably took 15 minutes or so and then once we got to the military stop on mexico side that took is probably about 45 minutes or so we were there and same kind of deal just show them your weapons um and then they take serial numbers and your passports and document all that for when you return and then, yeah, it's the only other things with it is like uh, your traditional hunting rifle won't be scrutinized too much, but um, like some of the new chassis guns or um, guns of that style, they definitely were more hesitant and took a lot more time inspecting them uh, than they would your traditional gun, even though they are just a bolt gun. So something that kind of surprised me when we were crossing 
And then after that, it's just free sailing. Tacos, 20 minutes down the road. Tacos and all the good Mexican food and and uh, driving through sketchy parts of town? Yeah. No, I mean, overall, the drive was pretty pretty mellow. There's a couple times, though, that I definitely got my hair stood on end a little bit just because I hadn't uh, really driven around parts of the bigger cities in Mexico. And but overall, everybody was super friendly, super nice. Um, but yeah, we a couple times I was like curious about the parts we were in, and then weasel through, and then pop out on some country road, and it's just like driving through anywhere in southern Arizona or New Mexico. So I know you guys had what you had four tags, which you guys will be able to watch this on an upcoming episode of the Icon Tour and Open Seasons. So they end up having four tags. But we're just going to talk about Jim's coos deer buck because his buck was pretty insane. So we that's what we're going to get to on this episode. Yeah. And uh, like you said, we had four tags. Everybody took good deer. Um, should be able to see all those when we get those videos made. But yeah, my deer was a pretty special deer for me. It's my biggest coos deer to date. And probably will stay in that ranking for quite a while. Um, definitely has the character of buck of a lifetime for certain. Oh yeah. When you sent me the picture of it, I was just like, Oh my goodness, just the mass. And, and we'll have pictures of this on Instagram and I'll put a, a link to our website too. But coos deer, like seeing a buck like that, I'm like, okay, I can get behind chasing the coos deer when you see a buck like that, which it might be a pipe dream, but that's pretty awesome buck. <laughs> yeah i didn't think in a million years i would actually uh be able to get a deer like that and it worked out um shot a couple others in my life but definitely nothing in that class of deer for certain i hadn't even uh laid eyes on one that was that big that's nuts so how did it all happen what day you were were you the first or last or where were you in as far as shooting bucks so I ended up shooting mine on day four and I was the third person out of the four of us to shoot a deer. Um, we shot two opening day and then, um, day two and day three were spent just covering country and glassing. And we'd seen quite a few deer, um, throughout both those days. Uh, just nothing that really piqued our interest that early in the hunt and we're just enjoying our time and you know looking at javelina and everything that was down there so day four is when i ended up getting mine gotcha so how did it all happen the 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 thing that most people are here to listen to is how it all went down how it all went down (laughs) the meat and potatoes of it the meat and potatoes no overall uh mine was fairly quick hunt um but backstory and we found a big buck the night of day three and we went back into that same area and we're looking for him and would spread out along this ridge top glass and into this bowl looking and we hadn't turned him up yet we'd seen a lot of other deer a bunch of little forked horns and spikes and one pretty nice little three-point but I'd kind of committed to, you know, once we found this bigger deer, kind of chasing him and 
trying to focus on that area for at least a couple days since we had plenty of days left to hunt. And we were up there and hadn't seen anything. And one of the guys walked back to the truck to get something. And when they were down there, they found another big deer and it was the deer I ended up harvesting, but they're down at the truck. We didn't have any way to communicate. And I guess there was a lot of rock throwing and trying to get people's <laughs> attention and not losing this deer in the mesquite and feather brush. So, um, eventually one of the guys heard something. We look over and the guy's standing on top of the hill, winded, just making this hand gestures of a big buck down below. So we all rushed over there and started looking and picking it apart. <laughs> it took us a while to find him. We were kind of worried that he might have got into a pretty thick mesquite thicket and other different directions if he had got in there. But I had four people glassing, and so once I saw how excited they were about the size of this deer, I decided to get my gun out, and I got out and laid down and broke some brush and got a good shooting alley, um, ranged and did all that, and got my dope set in case for the general area. And sure enough, about the time I got all my pre-shooting stuff ready, one of the guys says, there's a deer. And so started glassing again. And, um, it was just a little deer that was with him, but they're like, that was the little buck that was with the big buck. So we sat there. It felt like forever, but I'm sure it was only a couple minutes. And then the big buck walked out and I was in my rifle scope on him at this point. And I heard one of the guys say, that's him. That's the big one. And when he turned and looked at me head on, um, and he was fairways out there. He didn't look quite as big as I thought he or he actually was. And they were in the spotting scopes, and they could see that he was a quality deer. And so, when he turned broadside, I touched one off and dropped him right there in his tracks. And yeah, I most of the time things shrink when you walk up to them, but. On, on this one he just grew i didn't realize he had the kickers and like you said the mass all i saw was that he just kind of had a narrower frame but he's got exceptional time length and kickers and just so much character that you can you don't normally find in a lot of coos deer i mean there's those freaks out there but yeah i was blown away by the size of him i mean that was pretty exceptional hunting my eyes and having all my friends around me as well was pretty dang fun that morning. Well, yeah. And it's crazy. You didn't even get a chance to look at them through the spotting scope. So you're just taking their excitement and looking at this and you're in your back of your mind, you're probably like, is this the right buck? They're saying to shoot, but I'm looking through the scope and I can't tell. And like you said, normally it happens to where you walk up to it and you're like, Oh, ground shrinkage. So I bet you were stoked to actually walk up and have it be bigger than you were thinking it was. Oh, I was blown away when it was bigger. And yeah, that was, I really trusted those guys. A um, couple of those guys that were with us had had, you know, 30 plus years of coos deer hunting the local ranch hand. When he was, once he got excited, I knew it had to be a big deer just because we'd looked at tons of deer that I'd got excited about. And he just, looked at me and shook his head like no we'll find something better and i was like i don't know but sure enough 
yeah, that buck grew a ton by the time, from the time I pulled the trigger till the time I put my hands on him. And I mean, it was, yeah, super fun. Yeah. So, so how, how big is a, like a good size coos deer buck? Like what do people shoot for? I mean, if you have a coos deer that's in like, and this is my limited experience of hunting coos deer, but anything in that 95 um, plus range is like a really typical, beautiful coos deer, like a really nice representation of the species, as people would say. Um, but like once you break that 100 inch mark, it's kind of a different class of deer on its own. And then like the guys that have been hunting them a long time that are, you know, have been able to harvest deer up into the 120s. Um, those are, they look freakish, just seeing pictures of them, stuff like that. Mine was uh, right there, 108, 109 inches, yeah. um, depending who measured it. Some people had a little bigger even, but probably right there, mid 108, low 109, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So, which is just awesome. And like the kickers, what I think is that like his mass and his kickers, it's like something unique about him. Cause normally they just have, well, they're like a, a three point, yeah, or a, like a two point with eye guards or a three point with, yeah, whatever they are. But like yours has that character. It's like, just so cool to look at. I know. And the characters, what makes him is those kickers. And like, I've been joking around the couple days prior with everybody. And I was like, yeah, if we see even like a fork and horn out here with a kicker on it, I was like, I'll shoot it just cause it has a kicker. And then <laughs> turns out this thing's got two kickers and is not just a fork and horn. So yeah, good thing. Good thing. A little fork and horn with a kicker didn't get in the way. Yeah. I would have, I wouldn't have hesitated. It took all the willpower I had down there to refrain on some of those deer. I mean, it's just, quality bucks all over the place and it was fun to be able to kind of be selective and at the same time with as many days as we had like just really check out the country it was my first time ever hunting in mexico and learned a lot um about the vegetation just really took a lot from their wildlife standpoint that i thought was pretty cool that the ranchers are managing on their own so no, that's pretty awesome. So what would be one takeaway from this trip? Like what's one thing you would do different that, you know, maybe there's something you can control it, but like what's one thing that you would have done different on this trip to make it easier or just to let people know for if they're ever looking at going down there? Um, the one thing that I would say my biggest takeaway on this trip was this last year they got about 600% more moisture than they do on average. So, which is normally a good thing, right? Which well, is up, a, up here, like we would be stoked for that. Oh, yeah, it was phenomenal. And I mean, it was great for down there, too. I mean, I'll never look water in, the, in, in a negative aspect, yeah. but um, in turn, all the vegetation grew like an extra three feet. <laughs> so, a person like myself that always likes to get prone to shoot. This was only about the second place that we'd actually set up on deer that I could actually lay down to shoot. And we had a, uh, a hog saddle that we were using on some of the other deer. And I think that, you know, if there's one thing I could do more would be practice 
with that application of shooting off a tripod yeah. because the grass was so tall down there that it was in 99% of the places we were at, it'd be 100% not an option to lay down and be prone to take a shot. Really? No, that's good to know because that's one thing. It's like, I know whenever I go practice, it's always prone because that's where you're most stable. But like, I I couldn't even tell you the last time I ever shot off a tripod. <laughs> Yeah, and I meant the way tripod technology is now with arc rails and all that stuff. Like, it's very popular. I just have never adapted that into my hunting style yet. But being down there, it would have been a game changer in several situations for myself. The other people adapted and used the tripod and did very well with it. And um, that was one weakness that I found in myself there was that. I mean, I've shot off them, but I haven't done the repetitions off them like I would um, in any other shooting instance. So, yeah, I would. that was my big takeaway is that it was extremely tough to find shooting positions that were doable and prone. And, uh, yeah, that was probably the one thing I'd, if I could redo and prepare for more, I think that would be it. Well, awesome. Like I said, this uh, we'll have link to the website so you can see pictures of the of Jim's buck, and then they'll be on Instagram as well. But that's kind of this is the cool thing about switchback stories. Like we're just going to do shorter podcasts for you guys, where you guys get to hear a hunting story from somebody. And this one's been cool because I've been holding on to this picture of this buck to post onto our Instagram account because I've been waiting to, to do a podcast, and we're still learning the podcast game. And I've found it's very hard to get with people's schedule. And so we're trying to, we're actually using a different application to record this podcast. So we're trying to make it easier to record them. That way, if you guys ever want to be part of this podcast, just shoot us an email, switchbackoutdoorstv at gmail, and hopefully we'll have the easiest process for you guys. And uh, that way you guys can be a part of Switchback Stories and you guys can tell your hunting story that you don't want to get lost or forgotten. So Jim, can't thank you enough. You guys be looking forward to this on an upcoming episode of the Icon Tour Open Season. And uh, man... I guess we need to start planning for Mexico next year, huh? I know. It's on the books. we got to make it happen. But thank you very much for letting me tell my story. And, yeah, had a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be talking at you later. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Switchback Stories.